We're going to be um, talking about walking in obedience tonight. Um, two weeks ago, we talked about walking in the light, which where Jackie was was telling us about um, walking in the light of God, walking in His goodness, walking in the knowledge of what Christ has done for us, and and that requires response for us. And what God requires from us is obedience to live a life that God wants us to live, not because He wants to punish us. Because he wants us to have the best life possible, amen. And so we're going to read from First John chapter um, two, verses one to six. That's the first epistle of John, chapter two, verses one to six. He says, "My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins." And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, but if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. That's good, nice and strong, isn't it? John's not messing around, is he? He's getting a bit older there, a bit grumpier, and he's, 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 he's kind of like saying, look, if you're born again, get with it. You know, start, start living the way that Christ has got you to live. Stop, stop wallowing in your sin and worrying if you're not good enough. Christ has done it all. Come on, you're good enough. Start believing it, living it, doing it. And transform the world around you. And if you are living in sin, you know, stop it. <laughs> That's a good one. Stop it. <laughs> Start living for God. Be obedient to Him. Look how Jesus lived. Live for Jesus. And do what Jesus did. But anybody who doesn't do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. Because if you don't do what he commands, you don't know him, do you? But you knew who this God was. You know what Jesus Christ has done for you. If you know how much your love for God, you'd want to obey him and live with him and walk for him. And walk in obedience and say, God, what have you got for me? What have you got for me today? What have you got for me tonight? What have you got for me tomorrow? I want to walk in it. I want to walk in your destiny, your plan, your purpose for my life, just like Jesus did. But I think as a child I was quite, um, I was quite obedient. I can't say I was always obedient because I grew up in Glasgow and we were kind of little rascals, and so we always caused trouble. And you know, it's, uh, anybody would see anybody coming from our area of Shawhead and. And coming out of our flats and things that people would run and take all the garden equipment and hide the stuff and <laughs> lock their doors as we kind of cluttered the, the whole neighbourhood and and um, but I was I try to I try to live a, a good life and I try to be different from those around me. I try to be obedient to my parents and to God. And I got a lot of stick for it, being a youngster and talking about God and talking about Jesus and 
and how God had transformed my life and touched my life. I remember standing up in school assemblies and people were talking about their favourite TV programmes and stuff and that, saying, wow, I've met Jesus, he's incredible, you should meet Jesus too, he's wonderful. And the kids are throwing tomatoes. So that's bullied for life then, isn't it? And, um, you know, so that, for me, from a young age, you know, I, I tried to live for God and be obedient to him. It wasn't easy. It was always challenges. People don't like it when you're, when, you're, when you're different from everybody else, isn't it? They want everybody to conform and be the same. It's easy to put you in a box, a category. But when you stand out and you believe in something, and stand for something, people want to push you back in a box, don't you? Because they can't control you. They can't define you. They, you're defined by God, not by them. And people like us to be defined by them, don't they? They want to tell us who we are and what we should do and what we should believe, how we should act. But when we actually have God, who's the higher authority, then that changes things. And I always try to be obedient to my parents, best I could. You know, and, um, though I always remember, my mum and I always had a routine before I went to bed at night. And um, used to put me to bed about nine, 8 o'clock. It would get me to be, it'd be about 9 o'clock before I eventually went to bed. Because I'd come up the hallway and put my head through the door and see what they're watching TV or what they were doing. And they're always watching Quincy Q's, what's it, Q, I don't know, Infestigator or something, or I don't know, or, or um, what was that, Columbo, which is pointless because they did the murder at the start and you know who did it. So I don't understand why you want to spend an hour watching Columbo when you know who's done it. And he, he figures out and said, well, I know who already's done it. I can just tell you now and you know, save an hour of my life. You know, this is incredible how people make money writing programs in this way. But that's another, that's a hobby horse. Sorry about that. But, and I, I went to the, I, I, so I got to the door, popped my head through, and mum said, go to bed. I go, oh, I don't want to go to bed. I want to, I want to, I want to be with you and doing what you're doing. And now I realise that's a bad thing. <laughs> Sitting watching TV all night, don't want to do that. Well, I want to do what you're doing. And it's like, go, go to bed. And then I don't do, I want to do what you're doing. My mum would get really angry. said, Go to bed. And then she'd throw her slippers at me. See that? That was, this is what, 40 years ago? You can remember this? <laughs> they throw us like, boom, boom. And kind of, I stand there. As I, I was younger, I sort of get hit with it. and went, ooh, off to bed. But as I got older, I, I got more used to the routine. And she'd start to throw the slippers. And I'm like, ooh, 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 ooh. Dodge some, like, hey, try again. That one missed. Hee. <laughs> As you throw a slipper, and you, oh, I just go to bed, and she'd end up laughing, I'd end up laughing, and it would, I'd end up going to bed. But we had a good, a good game of it anyway. But the thing is, I always tried to be obedient to my parents because I knew in the end they always wanted the best for me. I had friends who wanted me to do things, other infancies, but I knew in the end my parents always wanted the best for me. I'm very fortunate. I had parents who wanted the best for me. Not every day has. Well, my parents wanted the best for me, and I, and I learned from them, and I grew from them. I'm here today, and you can blame them for the person I am today. So, <laughs> and they helped me develop my faith and and to understand God and who that is. And, and I'm glad I I did that and was obedient to them and listened to them and went to church and engaged and let them guide my life and help me find God. And that was an incredible an incredible thing. But John says, my dear children, 
That sounds quite patronizing, my dear. She comes Sunday morning, my dear children. <laughs> I'll come to speak to you. But my dear children, he's just saying, born again ones, those who have been born again, those who are her children of God, those who just like me are children of God, those who are born again, who know who, who Christ is. And that, that's important. We've got to be born again. John's emphasizing that you've, my ones who have been born again, because you're not being born again, you don't understand, you're not going to understand what he's talking about. You have to have an experience with Christ. You have to know who he is. You have to know he's your Lord and your Savior. You have to be encaptured by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit witnessing to who you are and to tell you what God has done for you, that he has gained forgiveness for you in Jesus Christ, that he loves you, that he pursues you, even when you are enemy and far off, he's calling you to himself. And so for those who realize the significance of what God's done, my dear children who have been born again in the faith of God, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Whoa. So you will not sin. Who would love not to sin? At least. Well, that's good. <laughs> so that's a hard one, isn't it? Oh, I'm not sure. I really, I really like sinning. I'm not sure. It's a difficult one. But it's um, but we sin, don't we? That's the reality. We fall short. Now, I like the old phrase that uh, Christians are not sinless, but should sin less. Does that sound like a good idea? We're not sinless, but we should sin less because of our experience of God and who we know He is. We shouldn't want to be the same. In the sense that the word that sin here is, we miss the mark. And I prefer in Latin where it talks about to stray or to wander. That when we sin, we stray and wander from God and from his purpose and from his glory. We miss the mark of what God wants for us in our lives. And we choose another destination, another mark, another purpose that isn't, uh, that isn't God's standard or isn't for God's glory. And when we sin, we, we act contrary to the will of God. We do things for our own will and for our own desire, not what God's will is. So I write this so that you might not wander off the path, that you might not go your own way, that you might not miss the mark and continue to miss the mark. But if you do sin, but if you do sin, does anybody sin? I do help your hands up this time. <laughs> Definitely. But if you do sin, then there's an advocate. 
there's one who, who stands before the Father for us on our behalf. Jesus Christ, the righteous one, the sinless one, the one who is without sin, the one who died on the cross, that our sins might be forgiven, that we can stand before God and say, Father God, I love you. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Wow. And so when we sin, we've got Jesus standing there and said, Father, Father, they're one of ours. <laughs> Gary, he sinned. He let his flesh go again and he lost it. But <laughs> God, he's one of ours. He knows us. He loves us. He desires us. That's not who he wants to be. It's not how he is. It's not how he intends to live. He's one of us. He loves you. Forgive him that sin. Enable your Holy Spirit to push him towards your righteousness and your glory on the right path. Take him from wandering off in his flesh and his desires and what he wants and take him back and turn around in repentance to walk towards your glory, your power, your life, your standard, your mark. What you want for Gary's life. What he wants for your life. Isn't that amazing that I've got Jesus standing there before the Father and saying, He's not perfect, Father, but He's worth it. <laughs> He's standing there saying, Father, they're not perfect, but they're worth it. They've been born again. They love you. They choose you. They desire to live for you. So, Father, for the sake of what I've done upon the cross, look upon me and don't look on them. But when you look on them, see my righteousness, see my glory. See them as your children, as loved ones, and work in them to transform them and bring your glory. And we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Jesus did everything his father commanded him to do. Jesus was obedient to his father. Everything that God asked him to do, Jesus did and acted upon it. And if we know who Jesus is, we're going to, we know who God is and our Father and what Jesus has done. We're going to obey his commands. When he says, heal in my name, we're going to pray for healing, aren't we? When he says, forgive, we're going to forgive. When he says to love, we're going to love. If you're going to say, lay yourself down for the sake of another, we lay ourselves down, don't we? If he says, show compassion, we show compassion. If we display hope, even when we don't want, when we don't feel hopeful, we display hope because our Father has commanded to do that so that people might see His love shining through us.
that Jesus communed with his father and he went and done his ministry and done all the things he did and he went up and he prayed with his father and said, Father, I want to know you in a powerful, more deeper way. Tell me what I should do. Tell me how I should live. Tell me how I should do my ministry. He went back down and he did what his father told him to do. Are we listening to God? Do we know what God's commands are for us? You see, you've got to obey somebody, haven't you? You can be obedient to God. Or you can be obedient to sin. There's no compromise. There's nothing in the middle. You see, it's easy for us to be Christians and rationalize there's something in the middle. There's a gray area between obeying God and being a slave to sin. You've got to be a slave to something, haven't you? It says, it says in Romans 6, it says, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that you, when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin which leads to death or to obedience which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. You see, Paul doesn't give us an option. He says we can be a slave to sin or we can be a slave to righteousness, which is God's way, God's plan, God's purpose. We can't make ourselves righteousness. Righteousness is God and what God wants and what God desires. We can't do works and think we're righteous. Righteousness only comes from doing what God says we should do and what God says is right. But you can choose to be a slave to sin and to fear, and that will manifest in your life. And you might think you're free. You might think you're happy. You think you might like things... Life is okay. But you're a slave. You're a slave to anger, to bitterness, to hate, to greed, to hurt, to deceit, to lusts and desires, captivated by something that's not God. And where will that life as a slave lead you? It leads only to darkness. And we don't want to walk in darkness. There's so many people are spiritually blind. The whole world is spiritually blind. In many ways, the, whole, the church seems to be spiritually blind as well. And we walk blind, our eyes not spiritually open to what God wants to do, not seeing what God is doing, not seeing the world as God sees it. Because we've become blinded, because we've made ourselves slaves to all the things rather than God. We've submitted ourselves to all the things that are not of God. We've lived our life 
giving our time to things that are not God's desire or command. We've walked in ways and acted ways and, and lived in ways that are not what God desires and we become blind to it and we become slaves to sin and to fear and we walk in that and move in it and we think that's okay. And the sad thing is, once you become spiritually blind and you start to lose that sight and you can't see God around you and God's not, you haven't got a vision of God working and moving and happening in your church and your life and your family, all you're left with is sight, with your hearing. And how many people hear nowadays? And once you choose not to hear God, be it through the Word, or for people praying for you, or people, or God trying to speak to you. Once you're spiritually blind, and once you, once you no longer hear God, what hope have you got? You live in darkness without seeing, or hearing, or perceiving. And only God can save you and turn you around at that point. But you've got a choice. You can make a choice. I'm, I'm going to be a slave to God. Not to let all of them at this church. I'm going to be a slave to God. <laughs> and what does that mean when you're a slave to God? That means God brand me. God, you mark me. That when people see me, they identify me as I belong to you. That my walk, that my life, that my words represent who you are, that my desires, that my passions represent your love, your commands, your power. When people see me, they see you in me. They see someone who is obedient to you. They see somebody who's not trying to work for their own righteousness or be a goody two-shoes, but somebody who's strong and authoritative and says, I do what my father tells me to do. And if you don't like it, tough. Because I'm walking and I'm living as a slave to God, as his child, loved by him, doing his command, his purpose, his will. You have been set free from sin and become slaves to righteousness, to God's will and plan for your life, for God's desire, which is good and to prosper you and to bless you and bring hope and joy. Why wouldn't you want that? God's laid everything down from Jesus, his love for you, he's laid his heart before you and yet people can still trample all over and say, I'll obey myself, I'll do my own will, I'll do my own purpose, God, I don't, don't care what you want in my life. I'll live my way. I'll do whatever damage I want to do. I'll cause whatever carnage I want to cause. I'll bulldoze through over whatever I want to bulldoze through. But God calls us to say, seek me, desire me, love me. And in Second John it says, it's given me great joy to find some of your children walking, uh, some of your children walking in the truth just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new commandment, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. 
And this is love that we walk in, obedience to his commands. Have you heard from the beginning? Is that you walk in love. And Jesus says, they will know that you are my disciples because of your, you love one another. And so when we start to walk in obedience to, to God, we go back to that first command of Jesus to his disciples, which John reminds us that we are to love one another as God loves us. And how will the world identify us? By our love for one another. For our demonstration to live for God. For our love for the people who come through these doors. For the love for the people who sit in these chairs. For the love for each other tonight. For the love for our community. For the love for Derby. For the love for this country. But it starts with that love for one another. If we can't express love, we're not expressing God's desire and God's command upon our lives. And it starts from that basis of love. And when we don't love each other, we're walking in darkness. We're missing the point. You can be self-righteous. You can try to be holy. You can try to work your way into heaven, but you will never achieve it. But only to submit to God, to embrace God's love in your life and let that love manifest to the people around you and with you. And that doesn't mean soppy love from the Beatles in the 60s and in sensuality. It means love that you have a concern for person. You have a concern for their well-being. You have a concern for their salvation. You have a concern for their future. You have a concern that they don't know Jesus Christ as Lord. That is the greatest love that you can have. What other love is there but to give somebody the love that we have received from God and for them to experience it? You know, it's time for us to, to change and to, to be different and to be focused and be determined in what we're doing. We have to decide as a community and a church how we're going to live. Are we going to live in obedience to God's command? Are we going to love each other by putting that principle of Jesus Christ first and to live for him and to share that faith in Jesus with others? To make new believers in Jesus. <clears throat> this is something God's put in my heart. And I, I really want to use it in the church council on Tuesday. And it's um, from Jeremiah 6. Verses 13 to 16. And it says, From the least to the greatest, all are greedy for grain. Prophets and priests alike. All practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, where there is no peace. Are they ashamed of their detestable conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. So they will fall among the fallen 
They will be brought down when I punish them, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. The first part was for me. (laughs) This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. But you said, we will not walk in it. We stand at the crossroads, the ancient roads of falling in love with God, of being slaves to God, of living for His goodness and His righteousness and His purpose and His will and His commands and His desire. And that's for people to know Jesus. That's for people to come to salvation. That's for people's lives to be turned around by this glorious message that we've got. Yet we stand how many times as, as priests, as leaders, as a Methodist church, as other people saying, peace, peace, it'll be alright. And ban the wounds of our people. It's time to stop bandaging our wounds. It's time to stand up as a people and stand at the crossroads and look and say, which way am I going to walk? Am I going to be obedient? Am I going to walk in the way of God and His commands and for His love and for His glory and share this powerful message that I have, this glory that I have, this, this Holy Spirit is this win me, this amazing transformation that I have in my life. Am I going to stand at that crossroads and live in that? Or am I going to decide at the crosses? I can't decide whether I'm going to be a slave to God or a slave to sin. So I'm going to stand here and not sure which path I'm going to go. I'm not sure where I'm going to walk. I'm not sure what's going to happen. How many churches, how many people do we see standing at crossroads, don't know where to go? Unless some of us make that decision to say, I'm going to stand at those crossroads, but I know where I'm going. I'm going to the ancient past. I'm going back to the worship and the commands of God. I'm going to worship Him and love Him and put Him first in my life. I'm going to bring my prayer life back up to what it should be. I'm going to live in that scripture. I'm going to be in my knees and my, in my prayer room. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to be hungry for Him. I'm going to share this faith. I'm going to trans, transform my life. I'm going to display holiness and joy in all that I do. And I'm going to stop bandaging things up. I'm going to stop pretending everything's okay. There is no peace. The only peace is through Jesus Christ. Amen. The only way that people can have salvation is through Jesus Christ. The only way that people's lives can be transformed and renewed is through Jesus Christ. There is no other path. There is no other way. There is only Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And as a church and as individuals, we need to get back to that. We need to put that primary and first. There's so many things that are distracting us as a way as a church and as a people to walk down paths that are dark and sinful and wrong, even though they might feel wonderfully right. And we think we're helping people and blessing people, but we're only helping people and blessing people when they get Jesus Christ into their life. And that's got to be primary in all that we do for all that we serve that we want people to know and to come to a living knowledge of Jesus Christ so that he might stand before his father and say their minds their minds I died for them I gave my life on the cross for them my blood spilt for them father forgive them and allow them to come into your presence let them be your child 
enable them to walk and to lift themselves up from this sin. And don't let sin destroy them or take them away from you, but realize that they're forgiven and that they need to die to themselves and live for Christ. Man, we need to go back to baptism more and more all the time, don't we? To get in that water. I tell you, the baptism's come. We should all get in the water, shouldn't we? We should all step in there and we should all get in there. We should all die to ourselves and rise in Christ. Amen? And every day we need to die to ourselves and rise to Christ. There's so many things that we need to die to and rise to Christ and live in Him and live in His purpose. It's not our life anymore. You don't have a life anymore. You died. Do you get that? You're dead. You're only alive because of Christ. So live in Him. In Jesus' glorious name. Amen.